It's an all New York episode tonight. We'll go through some of the key questions heading into 2023 of our hometown teams, the Mets and the Yankees. Joining us tonight is Danielle McCartan of WFAN Radio in New York. All coming up next on Beat the Shift. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruven Guy. How are you, Ruven? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, and Happy New Year to you. It is our first episode of the new year. Wow, draft season is right around the corner. How's your uh, fantasy preparation going for 2023, Ruven? It's going slowly because not all players have teams yet, which is a big thing. But it is, I think it's less than two months to pitchers and catchers, which is always exciting. Amazing. I am working heavily on the ATC projections. It's the number one question I, I get. When are ATC projections coming out? So I'll give you the answer at the top of the show. January 19th. That is my ETA. Two weeks from tonight. Uh, we're recording on a Thursday evening here. And uh, so there you go, on the 19th, get ready, get set, and uh, good luck in your draft. Well, we've got a great show tonight, and we're going to do a little bit of a New York episode here, talking a lot about the Mets and Yankees, as we have on our guest tonight, Danielle McCartan from WFAN. Thank you so much for joining. How are you, Danielle? Hey, I'm doing great. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much, and welcome back to the show. What's going on with you lately? Oh, just working a lot. We were just talking off air. A lot of work, but you know what? It's fun work, and I love doing it, and uh, here we are. Absolutely. All right, well, as we do, we jump right into it, and we're talking Mets and Yankees today, and uh, we usually don't do too much news on the show, but uh, the Carlos Correa saga is uh, a never-ending story. Um, Will the Mets get him? Will they not? Latest we heard uh, at the time of recording is John Heyman says, well, they're getting close. They're working it out. He has been contacted by one other team about possibly going there. What is your take on the Carlos Correa situation, and will he be a Met? Yeah, my take this entire time has been along the lines of, listen, it's going to get done. If the owner calls him the missing piece, he's not going to be one of those guys that just backs down and and is like, yeah, no, never mind. I was just kidding. He's not the missing piece. So it's going to get done. And if you're a Met fan, in my view, you you have to be, I don't want to say excited, but maybe that's the word. You have to be excited about how the owner and everybody is going about doing this. Because the longer it takes for me, the better. Because that means that the Mets are going through line by line, letter by letter, to make sure that they don't get screwed with a contract that, that that's a, not a good one. You know what I'm saying? So... Be patient. I'm not one of these people that, you know, is really high, really low. I always thought he was going to be a Met. I still think he's going to be a Met. Um, and it's just kind of just wait it out. Let them let them work on the best possible scenario on a contract for both sides, really. Team-friendly, of course, but for both sides. And I think it's going to get done sooner rather than later. I, 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 I tend to agree with that. The only issue is what's up with his medical, uh, you know, with, what's with the medicals that he failed with the San Francisco Giants, and also now with the Mets. I mean, he did fracture his fibula back in 2014. 
This is way long ago. And I think the main issue that they're concerned about is that over the course of the contract, especially if it's a long-term deal, that he may have some sort of arthritis in the ankle or in the leg, and that may hinder him toward, let's say, even year five, six, or seven of this contract. I think that may be the issue. What do you think about that? So, he, he, so it, yes, that's the injury. He re-injured it on, I think, September 20th, I think, of last year. Mid-September of last year. He, t- he told reporters after the game that it kind of went numb on him. Obviously, that's a red flag. But if you're the Giants, you know, San Francisco Giants, that is, you're looking at him as a shortstop, right? And any sort of complications um, from that injury, especially, like you said, by the end of the deal, he's, what, could be 40 or so? That You know, that's, that's significant uh, for a shortstop. Lateral movement, all that. The Mets are looking at him as, as a third baseman. Obviously, there's lateral movement involved, but but not as much as a shortstop. So as a shortstop needs. So if I were the Mets, it's okay. I, I mean, it's okay. It's not as as, as glaring as a need as, as the Giants are going to need him for. But again, I'm still not worried. And even if it's five years into the deal, fine. You slot him into a DH slot. It's the National League has a DH now. He would be a perfect designated hitter for that team if it is in year five or six or whatever year it is it's a perfectly uh natural move actually so i'm not concerned at all yeah and the time delay i think is legal i mean lawyers like to get paid by the hour if last i checked <laughs> yes. uh so i think it's just being legalized uh you know they did a similar thing with jd martinez that they put a lot yep. of contract language that if this is a problem after year x they can void the contract so they're really working it out legally uh, I, I would put the percentage at something like around 85%, which is pretty high. That, that I would uh, say that's more. Getting, yeah, more I would say more. And, and J.D. Martinez, I mean, his agent is the same agent as as uh, as Correa. Yeah, so Boris right. was both. J.D. Drew, guess what? It took 52 days to become official, that deal, after it was been or, you know originally agreed to. So we're on what? They, what, 14? Something like right. that? So. Sorry. Feels like forever. There you go. But uh, I, I think they'll get it done. All right, before we uh, continue with the program, we have trivia. It's time for the Injury Gurus Trivia of the Week. Now, we're talking about Correa and about how much money he's going to get, how many years he's going to get. And the Mets are going to be the highest uh, payroll in, in the entire of baseball this year. That's what they're uh, projected to be right now. So, Danielle, this is the question. Over the last 25 years, how many times has a team with the highest payroll won the World Series? I feel like this is a trick question. I think the answer is zero. Oh, how many years the again, you say? Last 25 years. The Yankees did it once for sure. The Yankees did it once in 2009. That's one. Right. Okay, one. It I'm going to say, I'm gonna say two. I'll say two just to say it. The answer, the answer is actually five. The Whoa. 2020 Dodgers, the 2018 Red Sox, the 2009 Yankees, the 2000 Yankees, the 1999 Yankees. So it is possible five out of the last 25 have done it. And as a bonus trivia question, the Mets, last time they had the highest payroll was in 1992. Who was their highest paid player at the time? 92. 92. I was born in 88. Jeez. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you both a hint. We okay. celebrate him every July first. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was gonna say Bobby. <laughs> That's what I thought so too. Yeah. I, I was also gonna get, guess uh, John Olru, but I wasn't sure what years he was yeah. there. Benia. He was right. there. He was there a little bit later. But Benia was actually the highest paid player in baseball for a three year span. Amazing. 
So with all the money the Mets put in, with all the money the Yankees put in, because they're they're they put in invested a lot of money too. Do you think the Mets and Yankees improved enough this year to improve and, and go farther in the playoffs than they did last year? Um, for the Mets, yes, I do think so. For the Yankees, uh, no, I don't actually. What do you think? What do you think is missing for the Yankees? Because the Yankees got farther than the Mets did last year. Yeah, which is kind of crazy, right? Um, the Yankees. Uh, uh, the, listen, I, I I never liked Isaiah Kiner Falefa as shortstop. I thought he was a stopgap shortstop for sure. I got killed on the radio for saying that at the beginning of the year, and then everybody came aboard. So the Yankees are looking for a shortstop. The Yankees are looking for a left fielder. And the Yankees are looking for a closer because I don't know if Clay Holmes can do it. He's not consistent enough for my liking. I, I see him more as a setup man, seventh, eighth inning kind of guy to, to give to somebody. But who is that somebody? So the Yankees have three really big holes. And the other problem I have with that team is in the ALCS, they had three guys that were batting under 100 in their starting lineup. Like, that cannot happen. You can't win, a, especially the ALCS against the Astros, with something like that in your lineup. A third of the lineup was batting under 100. The, the, to me, they didn't do enough this offseason yet, anyway. Yeah, the Yankees basically spent $360 million on one player just to keep their team. Yeah. Or not even, right? Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, the only other the only other real key free agent they had is uh, Carlos Rodon. Uh, but other than that, no, the Yankees really didn't get much better. Uh, Mets nope. sure did. But I will say, though, that it's a little bit of subtraction by addition. Um, the rest of the National League East also improved. The Phillies improved yeah. tremendously mm-hmm. uh, with Turner. They got some bullpen help. They got some starting pitching help. So, uh, you know, the, the Mets, they did win over 100 games this year. Going to be tough to do that again with uh, both the Phillies and the Braves in there. Uh, in terms of what the Mets need, I kind of think the Mets could use a fourth outfielder. I kind of think they do need a little bit more bullpen help as well. Anything else you think the Mets need that they're lacking? Uh, for me, it's a designated hitter position. Uh, I, I do not have a full faith in a in a platoon of Vogelback and Ruff. I mean, Ruff, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think he made the postseason roster. So uh, for me, it, it was there were three guys out there. Uh, Josh Bell, Mets whiffed. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Mets whiffed. And there was uh, Justin Turner, Mets whiffed on him. So now you're in like the second tier. At this point, I did, I mean, I, I looked at all kinds of numbers and stuff. At this point, I mean, they should just stand pat and, and, and maybe hope for someone to come available at the trade deadline. But D.H. is a, is a position of need uh, for this Mets team. Absolutely. And still is. Yeah, and, and they also have a couple of minor league guys. I mean, they do have Brett Beatty. They do have Vientos, who mm-hmm. who did serve as some DH. And, of course, they have Francisco Alvarez there. Uh, yeah. Let's go to Ruvain first on this, just to talk about uh, the Mets situation. Uh, talk a little Mets first. Um, you know, the Mets, they signed a uh, catcher, Omar Narvez. They also have Nito. They got rid of McCann, but they have the third catcher in Francisco Alvarez. How are the Mets going to rotate, Ruvain, their three catchers? Or what's going to happen? Is Alvarez going to start in the minors? How are the Mets going to work it? Well, I can't see how Alvarez will start in the minors if they brought him up at the end of last year and they put him on the playoff roster last year. So I don't think he's going to start in the minors. I don't think he's going to get the bulk of the playing time at catcher. I think it's going to be a split between uh, Narvaez and Nito. Now, the reason why I think that is because 
both of those uh, catchers, Nito and Narvaez, are both very good defensive catchers, and that's very good. They're both good at framing. That's something that Francisco Alvarez has to learn. And plus, with the new ability for players to steal better, you want a guy back there who can, who's able to control it, who's not going to be overwhelmed, and I think Alvarez will be overwhelmed. I think Alvarez fits in better as a designated hitter to start, and the Mets will probably, I think, will carry three catchers at one time, and Alvarez will be the maybe the primary DH between him and Daniel Vogelbach. Really? I, I don't know if I see that. What, what about you, Danielle? Yeah, the problem for me with that is that, well, then if if the guy, the guy is your number one prospect as a catcher, not as a designated hitter. So for me, if the guy, if, if um, Alvarez is not going to be brought up to the major league level to catch, he's not going to get any better at catching. So he should do all of his reps at the AAA level. And when it's time for him to come up to be the actual catcher of this team, well, well, then you bring him up. But to bring him up prematurely just for a bat that, you know, he's, he's not going to get any better. You're not going to get any better sitting on the bench defensively. Yeah, no, I, I see that too. I think he'll start in AAA. If there's an injury, then yes, that's something else. He can come up with that. Uh, but no, he'll definitely start the year, I think. He's only 21 years old. I mean, he's, he's really, really young. And catchers sometimes take a couple years to develop, especially the defense at the major league level. So I, I don't think the Mets are going to rush him. And that's why they did sign Narvaez uh, to sort of help with the transition. I want to ask about... Um, the back end of the Mets pitching rotation. I mean, right now they have uh, at the top, they've got Verlander. At the top, they have Scherzer. They also have Carrasco. Um, and they signed Quintana and Kodai Senga. Um, what do they do with uh, some of the uh, other guys, Tyler uh, Magill, Tyler Magill and David Peterson, who did start a couple of games last year? They would be the sixth and seventh starters. How do you see the Mets shaking out with them? And, um, they are important to fantasy players because they are actually pretty skilled. David Peterson has a fantastic slider. Mago was looking—I mean, he started opening day last year. He was looking great until he got injured. Uh, what, what do you see uh, uh, getting out of them? What kind of role do you see, and are they going to succeed on this team? Uh, if it's me, uh, I'm not trading any of them. I mean, just—I mean, let's be honest. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, those are older guys. So I think uh, the two guys that you mentioned, Peterson and, and Tyler McGill— I think they're both going to be starting the season in the bullpen. And I think slotting in, I mean, there's not a single season where every single starting pitching rotation is not injured for the entire season. So they're going to be the guys that, that are going to have to step up and go back and forth between the bullpen and the starting pitching rotation. And you know what? And I'm not concerned, really. I'm not concerned about either of those two guys. Cause like you said, they're pretty good pitchers. So um, if, if I, I know, I saw a couple people on Twitter Trade them, trade them. No, you're going to need them. You're going to need them, let's say, June, July, August, uh, to eat some of those innings, you know, as a starting pitcher um, in, in the dog days of summer. So keep them both. Keep them in the bullpen for now. Bring them in the starting rotation uh, if needed, uh, you know, emergency basis. Yeah, so I, I kind of see David Peterson as going to the minors and uh, staying on track. Uh, I see him as the, the one to start over Magill. Uh, and so I think that until he actually gets to be the starting because of an injury or whatever, mm -hmm. they'll they'll start him at AAA. He's to me more the long person. The Mets did trade for a lefty in the bullpen, so they it's not he's not he wouldn't be the only lefty in the bullpen either. Right. Megill, I kind of see him as uh, a nice role in, in the middle relief. Mm -hmm. I think the Mets will want to keep him as reliever because they might be more concerned about his health long term. So maybe to do that and to keep him healthy all year. 
Maybe they need to have him uh, just short short outings and staying there. Also, Miguel is not fantastic against lefties. He got better last year, but he's still not all the way there. Fantastic against righties, but he doesn't have that out pitch. Uh, so I think that he's going to be put put in situations where maybe three righties in a row. Like I, I can see him used in certain situations. Peterson um, is more effective against everybody. I think there's far less lefty-righty splits with him. That's what I think I'll do. A- any uh, thoughts, Ruvain? Yeah, what about the Mets going with a six-man rotation? That's a possibility also, because remember, the top of their rotation is on the older side. If you want to keep them healthy, having a six-man rotation and, and you know, flipping in and out um, uh, either Peterson or McGill at, at times could help them out. Plus, they also have depth with Eliezer Hernandez, who has shown signs of being really good at times when he pitched for the Marlins. Do you think there'll be a chance for a six-man rotation sometime this year? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. If I were Scherzer and Verlander, and if that's what's going to get me to October baseball, even November baseball, then I would sign up for it. Yeah, it's, I think it's a good idea. I wouldn't count that out either. Um, any uh, thoughts on Kodai Senga, their uh, foreign import? Oh, I was on the air that Saturday night at 11.30 p.m. when that news broke. And I, it, it, it is a fantastic signing by the Mets, what they give him, fourteen million dollars in twenty twenty three, which is like basically nothing, right? Oh, I, he is just listen. I know there's an adjustment period between the baseball he's been playing and the baseball that's that's played here. I get it, but he played what eleven seasons with the same team over there, so that's a good sign to me. You know, he didn't bounce around at all, and his numbers out there, I mean, they were fantastic. They did great, great. Number so he is going to be a fantastic number three starter for this team. Uh, he was high, very high up on my list. He's a guy I wanted either the Mets or the Yankees to make a move on, and the Mets were the one who pulled the trigger. And I am so happy that they did. I mean, we're looking at a guy who we're you know we're I know the baseball is different, but the batting average against was 147 for his career on base percentage, 167 for his career. Slugging one seventy seven. I mean, this is this is like video game numbers. Yeah. Any thoughts, Ruben? Well, he he is turning thirty, so he's not a rookie at this. So he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna be overwhelmed by New York. Um, I did see recently he had he he had a picture of him. It was on Twitter of him having dinner with Masahiro Tanaka, and I think he may learn from him a lot. He's gonna help. He may even be a key player in Mets possibly getting Otani next year. That it's that's not out of their own possibility having another Japanese player, having another Japanese pitcher on the team, that the Mets did that for that reason, just to maybe groom him to probably get that to happen. So here's the thing. Here's the other thing too. Otani, right? If you're the if you're the Angels, right? Otani is a free agent at the end of this season. You're not gonna be making the playoffs, right? Do you want to try? If I'm them, I would try to want to unload Otani at the trade deadline. That's what I would do. So you'd have to think that the that the Mets would be in play at that point. Yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, we've seen cases in sports where you have someone on the team and they're friends with someone and they brought him out. Hey, our New York Islanders, uh, their goaltender. That's how they got him. Verlamov was uh, friends with Sorokin, and that's how he came to the Islanders. So you never know that that does happen. Um, the only thing I, I, I'm I'm a little worried about. He really only has two pitchers, Sanga. And that's more bullpen uh, rather than starting rotation. For depth, you really do need that third pitch or so. So little worrisome. He also throws really hard, and you know it is tough to be as effective third time through the order. But on the bright side, if he doesn't exactly work out as as a starting pitcher, he would make a pretty good reliever. Right? Have him in, in a two-inning role. He's throwing 99 miles an hour. 
he probably would be a high-end reliever, uh, so it's not wasted money in, in any regard, especially if you think about it five years from now. You know, the, the cost, you know, with inflation and all that, you know, these contracts might be even better. Uh, so I, I can see it as a win-win. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Yankees, and I think the number one question for them is, who's playing shortstop? In the minors, they have Volpe. Um, you got Peraza. You got IKF, Cabrera. Uh, who, who do you take uh, uh, from it, and how do you think the uh, shortstop playing time is going to break up uh, this season? Oh, how I want it to be and how the Yankees are going to do it, I, th- I think, are two different things. How, how I think they're going to do it, I mean, they brought Isaiah Conner-Falefa back, so they're not going to bring him back. on. on I know it was only like a $6 million deal, but they're not going to bring him back if they don't have any intention to play him. A guy that they benched, they benched him in the postseason last year for defensive uh, mistakes, miscues, after being the guy that was supposed to be the defensive savior at shortstop, right? I never bought into it. I, you know, I, I'm like... I cannot believe they brought him back. Peraza did fine at shortstop in his absence in the postseason. So uh, what the Yankees are going to do, I think they're going to start IKF. What I would love to see done is, is um, here's my, you know what, here's my dream infield for the Yankees. Rizzo at first, Volpe at second base to start the season, just to start it off. Rizzo at first, Volpe at second base, Peraza at shortstop, and LeMahieu at third. And I know that's not his best defensive position, but Volpe is not going to be a third baseman. Um, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of moving parts. you got to unload Donaldson. you got to forget about IKF. There's a lot of moving parts there. Obviously, that's wishful thinking at this point because Brian Cashman double, triple, quadrupled down on uh, on Josh Donaldson. So um, the stubbornness, I guess, there is what's most frustrating for a Yankee fan. Um, but, uh, yeah, IKF's going to be their shortstop on opening day, guaranteed. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Peraza on opening day, actually. Uh, I hope I think, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think IKF, they got him thinking he was really the bridge to Volpe. And I think they're a little bit frustrated with his production. Uh, and I think they are going to give a shot to Peraza. I think they are until Volpe is ready. Uh, I, I uh, You know, Volpe, not the greatest defensive shortstop. Uh, I mean, Yankees experimented with Gliber Torres. Uh, good hitter, but he was far worse as a shortstop, and that really mm-hmm. ate into his offensive numbers. So there's always the worry that that can turn in. But uh, assuming it all goes right, you'll see Volpe up sooner rather than later. Um, and I think that Volpe will take over as the shortstop this year. But I kind of think they're going to give the chance to Peraza with IKF moving around uh, around as needed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, you agree, uh Ruvain, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I do agree. I, th- I think IKF is going to be like the super utility guy. I think they're going to try to keep DJ LeMahieu in one spot just to try to prevent him from getting injured because he is so valuable. When he wasn't in the lineup toward the end of last year and in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you saw they were missing that bat. And and yes, Brian Cashman said they didn't get as far as they wanted to in the playoffs because of all the injuries. DJ LeMahieu was one of their bigger bats and one of the guys they relied upon all year when they built up that huge um, uh, one-loss record. They need him in the lineup, and I think that Josh Donaldson is just going to have to take a seat. I I think that if you want to put IKF at third base, because he won a gold glove at third base. He's a probably better defender than Josh Donaldson right now is at third base, and the difference between the offense between both of them is not that big. Yeah. Um, You know, you you mentioned the closing job for the Yankees earlier with Clay Holmes, and I think you said that, that you don't think he's going to be the guy. Uh, what is your take in the uh, save situation? Now, you know, the Yankees for the past couple of years have been the, 
we've got our guy. Here's Chapman, and here's our guy. Baseball itself is turning into more of a shaves, uh, a save share. Uh, we've seen the Giants do it. The Tampa Bay Rays do it all the time. Even mm-hmm. the Cubs. Uh, other teams are doing it more and more. How Do you, do you think the Yankees are going to turn into that, where it's whoever is the high-leverage situation? And my, my money, actually, I think is going to be on Tommy Canely and getting more saves than people think. Canely, who was recovering from injury, he finished the year. He came back, and he had 12 innings, 2.84 ERA, point. 6-3 whip, a K-minus BB of 24%. That's really fantastic. Uh, I can see him. He's pretty excited to join the team again. I can see him as getting a nice share of the saves opportunities if Holmes falters. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're kind of seeing it already. I mean, you had, at times, Loisga closing games, Trevino closing games, Michael King, of course, he'll be back. Um, Marinaccio. So all these guys that have been in these situations, I'm not a fan of it. Um, really, I'm more of obviously a baseball traditionalist. I believe in a closer, you know, I believe pitchers should pitch longer into games, but that's a whole nother conversation. So uh, I think that's exactly where the Yankees are going. It's, it's a good assessment of, of where they're at. Um, yeah. And Kenley, he's, uh, he's excited to be back. Like you said, he's going to be a big piece. And, and again, you talk about injuries. I mean, the wise goes injured, you know, down the stretch there. Also, Wandy Peralta, too. So I think the Yankees have a lot of those guys where they're going to open up their binder and say, okay, who do we have coming up from this other team in the inning 7, 8, and 9 projected? All right, let's line up our guys accordingly in terms of high, medium, and low leverages. So, um, you know what? The one thing I will say, I am so happy that Aroldis Chapman is gone, out the door, <laughs> showed himself the door. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, he uh, his time had had come, uh, but I think Clay Clay Holmes might get the first crack. Yeah, um, agree, Ruben. I agree, and I also think that their closer come September, October may not even be on the roster right now. Um, ah. Usually, the Yankees do get a big big uh, arm on the trade deadline. And I think that's what they'll probably do this time. They'll probably look to see who's the hottest arm available. And I think they're going to go after it because if they don't do that much in the off season to bolster the bullpen, they got to do it in season. And that's usually what happens. Yeah. In terms of fantasy, um, I mean, saves are important. Saves are expensive. I don't know if I would spend a lot of money on Clay Holmes, though. Uh, the Yankees are going to be a good team, so you want to spend money on saves leaders of good teams. But I, I kind of think that, uh, as you know, you might think he's going to be replaced by trade. I think Kainley's going to get some share. Um, I don't know if I would spend a lot of money on Holmes this season. Uh, one last Yankee question. Um, Aaron Hicks. <laughs> what in the world are the Yankees going to do with him? Is, is he going to have a role? Is he just going to be a fourth outfielder? <laughs> what are they doing with him? No, you know what they're going to do with him? They're going to stick him in left field and hope it works. That's what the Yankees are going to do with him. Uh-huh. I mean, the left field, I, I cannot watch uh, Oswald Cabrera out there anymore. Done deal. I mean, he, I, he did the best he could. He can't judge a fly ball. I get it. I would love to see John Carlos Stanton out there every day, but you know that's not going to happen. So, uh, no, the Yankees are going to try to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And they're going to march Aaron Hicks out there in left field uh, every day. And uh, I, it's, it's mind-blowing to me, actually. But, hey, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. And it's going to be every, every day until the year 2025. Because remember, he's under contract through then. So yep. the Yankees are going to have a lot of him for, for, the, for the upcoming few seasons if he stays healthy. If he's healthy, listen, he, he may not have a high batting average, but he does get on base. And he plays a pretty decent outfield. So that gives you something. Yeah. <laughs> now we're now we're really trying to stretch this. He stinks. Yeah, he does. He really does. He's, <laughs> he's really bad. He shouldn't be on any fantasy teams either. So yes, he's really bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, which team, uh, which Mets or Yankees, Danielle, which team has the best starting pitching staff, would you say? So this is something that, this is spoiler alert for anybody who listens to my show. This is something I wanted to talk about this weekend, but so it's a great question. So I actually had run for my own show, a bunch of numbers and it's not, it, it really, to me, it doesn't boil down to what do you think? Like, it's easy to argue, oh, is it LeBron or is it Michael? But until you really get down and really look at numbers, right? then you can really make a good decision. So for me, what makes a good starting pitcher to me might be different to you. But for me, okay, I want a guy that, like I said before, pitches you know deep into games and pitches long throughout the season. So I looked at average inning pitch per season. Then I looked at ERA, of course. Then I looked at uh, 2022's strikeout percentage, strikeout per nine, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, FIP. So if you compare all those, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, so nine categories, and then I averaged the numbers of all of the five projected starters, rota- starting rotation for the Mets, and then all the five guys for the Yankees. I did. I wasn't surprised when I found that, first of all, well, by the way, their, their strikeout percentage between both the Yankees and the Mets of the projected starting five was the exact same down to the decimal point. But other than that, besides the Yankees having a more cost-effective starting pitching rotation, in all the categories that I mentioned, except for strikeout percentage, the Mets are are better than the Yankees in all of them. Interesting. Um, yeah, according to Fangraphs War, Yankees actually come up a little bit ahead. Um, the projections for Kodai Senga is not too favorable, uh, only at .4 war. They have him with a projected almost 5 ERA, a 4.72 FIP. Um, so that might be a projection thing coming from yeah. a foreign place. So, yep. uh, let's say, let's say we call him a one win player. Uh, we have the Yankees edging out the Mets 13.4 versus 12.9. Uh, close. close. I will say though, that when you're dealing with the playoffs, we're not talking the whole five, we're talking the top. And right. I do like Scherzer Verlander at the top far better than Rodon Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just like that that grid over there. It's the old Tigers rotation. Uh, <laughs> funny that Fangraphs actually has Rodon with a higher projected WAR than Garrett Cole. Uh, mm. Cole to me is is fickle uh, in terms of the home run rate. You're gonna you're gonna get your strikeouts. They're gonna go, but uh, the home run rate really uh, serves him. And interesting, I want to get your take on this, Danielle. Um, you know, last year, I don't know if you saw the the, er- the article about the uh, the baseballs being different for Yankee Stadium. Uh, at the end of the year, that they were sort of possibly, I mean, they're not going to verify it, but uh, possibly giving a little bit more bouncy balls uh, in Yankee Stadium towards the end of the year, August, September, maybe to get uh, a judge up across the hurdle of the big uh, 62 number. Mm-hmm. But um, that also hurts the pitchers who pitch in Yankee Stadium, including Cole. Assuming they, they go back to one standard ball for all of baseball, that should help him. I don't. What are your thoughts on Cole in general? Do you think that uh, his home run numbers are going to be controlled? Is he going to be the ace supreme like he was paid to? I don't know. I don't know. You said the right word before. Fickle. Uh, he he's a fickle pitcher. He could be lights out one day and a disaster the next day. Um, he's good for uh, what? What's the projection? One home run a game, right? At least one home run a game, right? So. You hope it comes in a spot where it's like it's not going to do much damage. Maybe it's in the first inning, you know, but he's a fickle dude. I mean, I've talked to him. He's a, he's a nerd. He he loves baseball. It's just, I don't know, man. He, like you said before, if, if I'm looking at the Mets' top three and the Yankees' top three, oh, I'm taking the Mets all day. As long as they're, you know, uninjured, 
healthy, uninjured. I'm taking them bets top three all day, every day. Right, right, right. And the fact, and now, and now the fact that Rafael Devers resigned, he kills yeah. um, Garrett Cole. He has the most home yeah. runs of any active home of any active player right now in baseball. And now he's going to get another couple years against Cole like that. So, yeah. and I mean, it, it. You don't know what you're going to get with Cole. Cole can go nine innings and give up two hits and strike out ten, or he can go two two and two thirds and give up seven runs. You just don't know what you're going to get. What you're going to get on in an, on a day in day out basis, and yep. that's not really an ace if you want to get an ace for your team for your fantasy team is he a true ace he gets you the strikeouts but you don't know what you're going to get from day to day you're sometimes you're going to play him based on matchup which is just crazy to think about yeah and the, the uh, Yankees certainly have a very good end of the rotation uh, having Severino Montas and Cortez as your three four five that, that that's pretty darn good so I think the Yankees are built for the 162 game season very well uh, they should have a good year. Uh, before we go, let's uh, just do quick predictions. Maybe everyone throw in who do you think is going to win the NL East and AL East and maybe a sleeper team that will do better than expected within the division. Start with you, Danielle. Oh, man. Uh, you'd have to think that the Yankees are going to win win the AL East. Um, the Red Sox didn't improve much, right? Um the, the Rays don't don't concern me. The Blue Jays maybe Orioles no. I think the Yankees gonna are gonna win the East. As far as the NL the NL East, oh man, that's gonna be the the hottest division in baseball. Um, I think the Phillies are gonna win it. Uh, I think the Mets are gonna give them a run for their money, but I think the Phillies will win the the NL East. And oh god, um. Can I can I pick the Mets as a as a sleeper team? I mean, because yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be so many, you know, like NL East is gonna be very well represented in the postseason, right? So as long as the Mets can get in, which they will, as long as they can get in, they're they're better than anybody to make a run. So I think my sleeper team for Major League Baseball sleeper team, based on their division projections, in my mind, I think the sleeper team is the Mets, NL East is the Phillies, AL East is the Yankees. Wow. All right, moving. I think that the Yankees are going to win the East, uh, at least. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any major, you know, trouble there, except for the fact that Toronto is changing their whole configuration in the outfield. You don't know what you're going to get with that, so I'm a little nervous about that when it comes to being a Yankee fan. Um, and I think the Orioles are going to be a sleeper team. I think the Orioles were not were not just a fool's gold last year. I think they're really good. I think they have a lot of good prospects coming up. They have the top pitching prospect in their minors. I think the, the Orioles are going to be a sleeper team. The Orioles may, may even make the playoffs this year. As for the National League East, I think it's the Braves' division to lose. I think the Braves win it every year. They've shown they, they, they had the same players. Cunha wasn't 100% last year. If you get 100% of Cunha on that team, add it to what they have already. I, I can't. I mean, they lost Andrew Swanson, which is a huge piece, and they'll try to replace that. But I, I still think it's the Braves' division to lose. I'm nervous about the Phillies, but you're always concerned about the Phillies' bullpen. You don't know how it's going to go. The Phillies' bullpen got hot last year, so that's why it's good. Um, I don't think there's any sleeper team in the National League East. I think you know they're the three powerhouses and the two bottom dwellers. That's what it is. So I'll go also with the Braves winning the NL East. You're right, Ronald Acuna. A whole season. And you know what? When you have a knee injury like that, it sometimes takes you – it'll take you a couple of months just to get on the field, which he did, and then another 10 to 12 months to really get going. So I can see Acuna really going off this year. They got Michael Harris at the top. Austin Riley locked in. Matt Olson maybe takes him a year to acclimate. Ozzie Albies 
I mean, he was injured for most of the year. Um, and Vaughn Grissom, I think, is going to fill in nicely for Dansby Swanson. Uh, very underrated. And, you know, the catching they have, they got Murphy. Your backup catcher is Travis Darnot. Maybe he'll fill in at DH. Uh, I think they've got a solid lineup, and the pitching staff is fantastic. You know, Max Freed, right? Uh, everyone at the top. I think in the NL East, I'm not going to say sleeper, but underrated team. I think the Marlins are going to do better than expected. Marlins have a fantastic pitching staff. I mean, they have the reigning Cy Young Award winner in Alcantara, Lopez. They've got a great team there. I think that they will do well in the AL East. I actually think the uh, Blue Jays are going to do it. The Blue Jays actually got better from last year. They traded for Dalton Varsho, who is either a plus-plus catcher or he's actually a good fielder. He can play outfield. Um, they're going to have maybe a healthy Whit Merrifield. Maybe he wasn't healthy at the end of the year. And Bo Bichette. I think Bo Bichette is a star. Uh, I think that uh, whatever numbers he had last year – uh, it's going to improve. Look at his uh, the, the final month. He went crazy in, in the last month of the year. Uh, and I think the best is yet to come with there. And they got Vlad right behind him. Um, and look at their rotation. I mean, Manoa, Gaussman, Berrios has to do better. And, you know, they just signed Chris Bassett. Bassett could have been a number three on the Mets. Now he's the number four on on Toronto. Uh, so uh, I, I would go with them. And uh, I'm not going to say sleeper, but underperforming te- over uh, a team that is undervalued, the Orioles. I, I think the Orioles will uh, will do well. They've got a couple of good rookies on the team, uh, some young players. Rutschman's going to be a superb catcher. Uh, Henderson's going to be fantastic. So I, I, I kind of like them quite a bit. All right, well, this was fantastic. Any final thoughts on the uh, the Mets, Yankees, uh, NL East, AL East? Uh, anything else doing, Danielle? You know what? I, you know what? I I am very excited to be on New York radio when both teams are good. Yeah, I'm never, I'm never one of those person that like pits fans against each other. I think that's silly radio because it's like silly, but it's exciting when both teams are good. It's exciting for me. It's you know, it's 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 just it's a fun time. So honestly. My bold prediction, forget everything else. My bold prediction is a Subway Series this year. Book it. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. I, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, once again, uh, Danielle McCartan from WFAN Radio. You can find her on the Twitter machine at Coach McCartan. Uh, definitely give her a follow. Uh, anything else going on with you? Uh, the, your, so uh, what, what's your schedule for the next uh, foreseeable future? Overnights uh, on the weekends, right? Yeah, so I picked, I chose to do Friday night into Saturday. So it's early, early Saturday morning, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And then we're just kind of waiting to see what the NFL playoff picture is going to look like. So that obviously dictates where I'll be and when. So I guess just stay tuned. It'll be week to week for the next couple weeks. But uh, yeah, usually later in the night, my usual slot is Saturday night, 10 p.m. to uh, 2 a.m. Sunday morning. So. Uh, for this week, it's a little bit different, and we'll see. We'll see where the Giants fall in all of this as well. Um, but it's exciting. Uh, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll relinquish my spot for a Giants playoff game. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take a couple of those. Uh, Danielle McCartan, rising star at WFAN. Uh, absolutely check her out. Uh, Ruvain, just want to tell uh, the audience uh, where we can find your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates for the players during the course of the season as well as during the offseason. And you can catch my weekly in-season article on Rotoballer discussing all the injuries and the next man up. 
All right, and you can find my work over at Fangraphs, over at Rotoballer. I have an article on each site that came out this week. I compare projections, and I let you know what to look for projections from all the MLB rule changes. More steals from the uh, bases. You're going to get more hits. So just a little bit about projections and that. So check that out on those sites. ATC projections, as I mentioned at the top. The best projections in baseball, as verified by a number of independent sources. Uh Coming up on uh, the 19th, uh, just two weeks to them. So check them out. They'll be on a number of sites. They'll be on Fangraph, CBS Sportsline. They'll be on Rotoballer, a couple of other places. So check them out and looking forward. All right, once again, thank you so much to Danielle McCartan for joining us on the show and from all of us here at Beat the Shift. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.